Going all in. That is the only way to describe our interview today with Charlie Liang. Who is Charlie, for those who may not know? Well, he's done a few things. Uh, he was a former pro poker player. He speaks three languages. He plays three instruments. He's an aspiring DJ. He's a marketing master. And man, we had a blast talking with Charlie about everything under the sun. We talked about how, your, how his poker skills are transferable to what he does today. His story of interviewing 50 times before landing his first job at Google. That's 50 with a 5-0. And we even dive into how he has become world-class at what he loves doing and some tips for how you guys can do the same. This is really... This week's TR Talk Fan of the Week is Alistair Smith. Alistair, listening to us from all the way across the pond. Thank you, my good sir. We appreciate the love. We appreciate the support. Keep doing your thing out there. If you'd like to support the podcast in any way, there's a few ways that you can do that. Number one, subscribe on iTunes under TR Talk. What's that going to do? Well, it's going to make it so we show up in your feed every single week. If you like one, you're going to like them all. Keep on listening. Number two, leave us a review on iTunes. Could be one star. Could be five stars. I don't know. Could be three. Tell us you like us. Tell us you hate us. Uh, what that's going to do is give us some feedback so we can get you the best guess. As Ryan would say, this is the TR Talk family, y'all. What does family do? They talk. They eat dinner together during the holidays. Maybe you can do that with us, but only if you leave an iTunes review. And number three, you can share it on social media, LinkedIn, Facebook. Go back to your old MySpace days. Share it with someone that you met on the train. It doesn't really matter. We just want to really amplify this again because we're trying to get you the best guess we can so now let's sit back here the headphones plugged in turned up and we're going to bring you to an interview that we had with poker pro and marketing master charlie liang All right, everyone, welcome to another episode of TR Talk. This is Tom Lamo alongside my co-host, Ryan Warner. Good evening from San Francisco. And folks, we are excited to bring to you uh, a good guest tonight, Charlie Lang. Charlie, we're, we're pumped to have you on. And um, you know, there's a lot of topics that we want to get into. We want to get into uh, you know, some brand building, uh, talk through some of the millennial um, trends that you're seeing in, in the B2B world. But you know, through some of our research, we want to kick it off with, um, you know, we saw that you were actually a former pro poker player. So before we get into the B2B stuff, we want to dive in on that. Can you can you tell us a little bit about, about that? Yeah, I mean, I could talk hours. We could have a whole podcast about that if we want, <laughs> but I don't think our audience is, is, is looking for that. I mean, it really just started, I was, uh, you know, this, I'm probably dating myself. I mean, we'll talk about it when, you know, in the millennial talk track, but I, I played a tournament online when I was 16. And it was like one of those satellites. Yeah. And then I won that, and then it was another satellite. And the main prize was first place at, uh, was a seat at the WPT Foxwoods in, you know, in, in Massachusetts. Okay. Wow. First prize was 10K. I couldn't obviously play because I was underage. Yeah. So I forfeited that, but I got the travel money, which was, I think it was like 1200 bucks, which in high school is a shit ton of money. Yeah. yeah. Right? So yeah. I was super excited. And from that, from, from then on, I just, study the game more and more yeah. and eventually I was you know playing 10 hours a day um, you know 
I was one of those people that had like if you if you looked if you went in my room I had like three screens and like it was just super hot because the computer fan was on all the time <laughs> and it was, yeah it was it was weird but but that was you know that was what I did for for a few years there yeah so it was super fun learned a lot of lessons and now I'm actually pretty glad to be out of it because it just wasn't it, it wasn't a super healthy kind of you know thing it was super fun but but it's you know a lot of those skills actually have transitioned to marketing which I'll talk about in a little bit yeah nice. well and how did you you know that's super high stakes a lot of money on the line and it's focused for a long duration of time how were we able to detach from the from the stress and kind of you know, sit back and, and play your hands so to speak throughout those long games yeah that's a great question um, I think it's so um, it, you're right super stressful like within a matter of hours it's like literally thousands of dollars and you just you kind of become numb to it mm -hmm. at first it was just like you're just like you just can't think about anything else you can't you're just kind of a, a, a little depressed but after a while you're just kind of numb to it <laughs> I felt that working out you know I would go on runs before and after yeah. playing long sessions and just it would clear your mind and then I, I, I still do that in my you know daily job I'll, I'll get back from work and, and just go on a run with my dog and it's just super it's a great way to clear your mind and just get rid of all that stress yeah and I, I think another thing and, and I'm I'm only a novice poker player at best probably the most I've won is probably a hundred bucks um, but I think a big part of it is is obviously being able to read people right and, and being able to see you know do they have a tell and you know also you trying to kind of keep uh, cold face as well like how has that transitioned to other parts of your life and being able to read yeah. people in, in those situations? Uh, I think a lot of what, what makes, I think, you know, in, in the workplace, yeah. reading people is super important, yeah. right? Like a lot of what's communicated during meetings is not said. It's yeah. in the body language. You look at people's faces. It's a lot of times it's what's not said. And, you know, not to call it politics, but that's a very important piece of getting what you need to get done is being able to assess you know, having some people call it emotional, um, you know, intelligence. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But that's a very important uh, skill in the workplace. I feel like having that background, playing poker, I I, I think it I have an edge in that. Mm. You know, and and I think that you know a lot of, a lot of times reading people um, will put me on the right track to being able to respond to you know my colleagues or or my boss. Wow. Yeah, and I, I mean I would say in any situation like you just mentioned, if you're talking to your boss or a colleague or you're in an interview or you know, say if you're in a sales position or if you're being sold to, I think reading yeah. the other person is, is always a huge thing. Um, and so would you say back to the pressure piece, like do you now feel less pressure in say a situation where someone else might stress out that you, you feel more calm because of all that poker? Yeah, so let me, so a few weeks ago, um, I don't know if I'm, whatever, I, I'll say it. I, I, I deleted a, tens of thousands of leads from our database on purpose, like okay. not on accident, on purpose. Okay. But we didn't anticipate that it caused, it messed up some some issues on our product side. Okay. And so the whole thing was kind of stressful, and um, but I, I was like, all right, well, it's okay. I've been through a lot worse, and my whole mindset was just to kind of, all right, what do I need to do to restore it? And it was like something that you know, even the, you know, the software company we were working with said it's not possible, but we were able to get them to um, help us and, you know, restore the database. And, and after, you know, at the end of it, my boss was like, how, you know, she was like, how, how did you do that? Like, I was freaking out. Yeah. You were cute, you know, cool as a cucumber. Yeah. And, and, and I told her, 
you know, trust me, Heidi, I've been through a lot worse. <laughs> so this was, you know, it, 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 you know, when you're, when you've gone through that, you're, you're just, your ability to deal with stress is just at a much different level. Yeah. For better or for worse. Well, for those of the listeners who haven't, you know, had a career or, you know, five to 10 years playing, you know, pro poker, how, or, or what are some tips you might point to that say, Hey, this is how you know, poker players or anyone in a high stress situation is able to stay calm under the storm. Are there any tips or tricks or rituals that, that you might share? I, I used to always, um, you know, after I had a bad session, I used to always kind of, like I would say to, I would say to myself, well, at least I'm not dead, right? Like that's, mm-hmm. that's what like the worst case, right? And when you think of it that way, you, you're able to, and, and, and think about how, what you can do to kind of get better and fix the situation and are solely focused on that, your your ability to get out of those stressful situations is like, that's the best thing you can do. Like, forget about what happened. What happened already happened, right? Yeah. Like, what mm-hmm. can you do to put your best foot forward and, you know, make sure it doesn't happen in the future or, you know, learn lessons from it yeah. um, and just get better, right? Like, focus on solving the problem that, that puts you in a mess in the first place and, and you'll get out of it. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, it's good advice. And I think that's something that you try to think, and, and it's easy to say, and it's a lot harder to do to actually let go of yeah. that, detach yourself. So I credit you on I think the biggest that. point of it is just, like, what's happened has happened. There's, like, yeah. you don't feel sorry for yourself. Don't mope. Just figure out how you can, you know, make the situation better. Right. Yeah, yeah that's, and that's great advice. Um, and so now... And, sorry. Yeah. And don't, when, it. like, don't <laughs> let the high, lows get too low and the highs too high. Like, mm. when you're... Winning, you you probably feel like you're on top of the world. Yeah. But like, you know, just tr- try to contain yourself and, and anticipate um, how you, like you can still get better from that, right? So like when you're winning, don't like sure celebrate, but don't get too high either, right? And just stay stay contained and and, and focus on you know always always better yourself. And does that go hand in hand with that mentality of grinding it out and? You know, we talked about it beforehand, but just staying consistent, staying on the grind. Is that, is that kind of what you're talking about there? Where you're just yeah. every day just keeping it, you know, as, as balanced as you can? Yeah. So here's another funny story. So when I started playing really seriously when I was in college. Yeah. Okay. And I, um, it, at one point, I, I still passed my classes for some s- small miracle. <laughs> but I literally, I think one quarter, I went to class maybe twice okay. outside of taking tests. Yeah. And I, I had a really bad work ethic. Yeah. But I think, you know, the poker playing and also the ability to kind of, you know, focus on the problems and, and have patience and perseverance throughout, it really kind of um, helped my work ethic as well. Like at the end of college, I, I was going to a lot of classes and, and yeah. doing really well. So I think it's really, you know, work ethic is really a muscle that you can train. Mm-hmm. So it might like, you know, let's say the first time, you know, uh, Ryan, you're a runner, you're, you know, running a marathon mm-hmm. this weekend. The first time you go on a run after not running for a long time, even if you run like a mile or two miles, that's really painful, right? Your yeah. body's like, I'm not used to this. But, you know, what happens the third or fourth time? Like, you just, oh, this is easy. And then yeah. you can start pushing yourself and pushing yourself. And, and being in the work environment is a lot like that, right? You just got to focus on getting better. Got it. Yeah. Well, I think one thing that's interesting when just when reading your background is, you know, if you focus on getting better and focus on putting one foot in front of the other, 
you know, that really resonated when you were you know, moving on from poker to the real world. And I read some stat that you had 50 some interviews without a job offer. Yeah. Could you speak to that a little bit? Because I know well, a lot of listeners. Deep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> dug deep. Um, yeah. I mean, true story. I, um, one of the, um, the, you know, transitioning from poker to the real world, I, I took probably about a year off after I, I uh, you know, um, after poker kind of collapsed on itself. I think in 2009, it was, we called it Black Friday, basically. You know, online poker in the United States got shut down. Right. Okay. And so after that, I'm like, well, I can either move to UK or Mexico. I thought about it. Wow. Or I can actually have you know uh, a, a job in, in tech, right? Mm -hmm. So at that point, I was I was living at my mom's house. I'm like, I'm already in the Silicon Valley. I th this probably seems like going into tech seems like a better kind of long term investment in, in in the future. You know, I'll still play poker. It's super fun. But right. I, I don't see that as a real, you know, job, especially with online poker being shut down. So, long story short, I didn't have a lot of experience because I spent the majority of um, the previous five or six years playing poker, you know, very seriously. So I didn't have a lot of work experience. At the same time, the crash just happened in two thousand and nine, so yeah. nobody was hiring, wow. right? So I went on fifty plus interviews, and you know there was interest, but like. You know how when you, you know, when you're hiring, especially when you're in that kind of environment, companies were super picky, and they yeah. looked at my experience like you seem like a pretty sharp guy, and you know you have, um, you went to college, but like you don't have a lot of you know any other experiences, right? Yeah. And why you know, like between you and these other twenty people, they're not going to select me, even if I was the most well spoken, even if I, you know tried the hardest during the interview, I just had no experience. Right. So my lucky break, I think, was I woke up, you know, after months and months of, of searching, and I got a call from a recruiter who who was, you know, um, uh, working for Google. Okay. Right, and and she was like, hey, um, Google is interested in talking to you. I'm like, what are you, like, who, I thought it was a friend, like, you know, doing a practical joke. I'm like, it's not funny. <laughs> uh, and it turns out it was you know they were hiring for it was a you know very entry level contract position, but they were improving some algorithm and they just needed people to say was this right or was this wrong right and so that's what I spent a few months doing yeah um, I was I actually tried so hard at it um, I really wanted a, a full time job at Google but I tried so hard at it that they were like hey you you've got to go home you're a contractor you're not allowed to be here like we're not paying you overtime I'm like no this is fun I want to keep doing it yeah right so uh, wow. it, from there I think it it, it you know it um, I, I then transitioned into marketing but that was kind of my lucky break if yeah. you will um, into the tech world because once you have Google on your resume it's, then you start getting you know inbound calls it doesn't even matter what you were doing right yeah well and take us to the mindset of interview 49 it's months and months <laughs> on end you're still jobless yeah you know, what were you thinking that, that made you keep going? Or you know, do you remember that at all? I do remember that. I do remember that. It was and not and not it, to interrupt, but were you getting closer and closer to moving down to Mexico City or to the UK? But you know, those interviews racked up. I, 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 I think I was so focused on uh, trying to find a job that yeah. that thought had had you know it, it had been months, but I, I remember waking up and and it was it was it was a paid internship, that yeah. was a. I think an hour, over an hour drive from, from my parents' house, mm -hmm. and I seriously and I, I think it paid just above minimum wage, mm. and I seriously considered it. I, I, you know, they made me do a project, I did it, and then they're and then they're like, no, you're like, this is no good, yeah. and I'm like, damn it, 
Like, I wanted that job so bad, even though it was an, I had a commute an hour, it was just above minimum wage, and it was just, you know, like, it was, just, it was like, it would have been a grind, but I remember wanting that so bad, and then just being so disappointed when I didn't get it, and it wasn't easy, but it's, it's a process I think everyone has to go through, yeah. mm-hmm. and I think some of my poker skills, you know, persevering <clears throat> over, over challenges, and, and, you know, dealing with stressful situations really helped out there yeah. um, as well. And, and one piece that I think that, um, you know, some of those skills have really carried over is, is on the, you know, on the marketing end and really on the personal brand that you built. And, you know, you're, you're in a situation now where I, I'm really impressed with the, you know, how you built your personal brand. Um, and it's not as though you had been in marketing for 25 years and, you know, had this long laundry list of companies you worked for. You had to, like you're saying, build from the ground up and start from scratch. Um, you know, a couple years after college. So I'd love to hear from you just how you have uh, done that, how you built that up tactically and and the steps that you've taken. I think it's just making the most out of every situation, right? Like I've tried to make the most out of every situation I've been in. You heard about the the thing at Google. Um, And then, you know, when I finally transitioned into marketing, I was working for this company. At the time it was called Adaptive Planning. Uh, and it's now called Adaptive Insights. That's where I got my feet wet in marketing automation. Mm-hmm. We were using Eloqua at the time, Eloqua 9. Mm-hmm. And it was a really, I, it, it was a very fascinating tool because um, it kind of combined left brain and right brain. So left brain is like the operations piece. I was, you know, kind of running their, their marketing operations. And, you know, learn, I had the fortune of learning from someone who was really good at that. He was actually an engineer by trade. So I learned the left brain part of it really well. The right brain part, I, I, I picked up in other jobs, but I think it was just kind of being the best, you know, when I, um, I then, you know, transitioned to a company that used Marketo. Yep. And then I was really, really good. I, I try to be really good at using Marketo. I would be on the community, you know, be very active there yep. and, you know, go to all the networking things I, I could go to. At the time, LinkedIn wasn't even big yet at the, you know, at the time. So it wasn't as much of a online brand as an offline brand, I would just be around in, in those circles. Mm-hmm. And so I ended up, um, you know, being in a, a you know, kind of a, a select group of Marketo users called Marketo Champions. Yep. I was in that group for four years and I, you know, I learned a lot, built a nice network. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, I think that's one of the reasons that John, uh, you know, John Miller, our CEO, who's the previous co-founder of Marketo, yep. he really liked that about my background. Yeah. was that obviously knew the space really well and that's how I kind of got into this current company right and at this current company um, I you know Engageo is a very powerful brand um, yep. in the marketplace and I think um, when I do you know social branding on LinkedIn and, and do sharing um, some people make the mistake of only talking about their customer yeah. uh, uh, sorry about their company right right like you know and no one wants to hear about that because right. it's just, you know, it's just it's just garbage, right? So that, like, you can't have people tune you out. You have to say stuff that people, um, you know, care about and are meaningful to people, mm-hmm. right? Like, what are they gonna? How are they gonna benefit from being connected with you on LinkedIn, on Twitter, on you know whatever platform, yep. right? So think think the the think about the people that you're you're targeting and make your um, social sharing valuable to them and naturally you'll gain followers yep. and when you have followers you then you can you know also talk about your company right, right. like then they'll be you know then 
you already have their attention span. So if you talk about, you know, Engageo, for example, they're like, oh, cool, you know, what's Engageo? But like, you still can't talk all about Engageo. You have to have a, right. have a good balance. I think it was Joe Pelusi in the Content you know, Marketing Institute. He had a 411 rule. Four pieces of content should be purely something of value to whoever you're talking to. And then I think one is, um, you know, paid and, and, and one is earned. But like, that's kind of the ratio. Two thirds of your content should be purely of value to your, your um, whoever you're talking to. Interesting. And I would, I would assume, but correct me if I'm wrong, that if you're, say, a salesperson like Ryan and I are, that would go the same for, for a prospect. Absolutely. Two, at least two thirds is, it's not, hey, here's this new product feature. It's, it's here's something valuable in the market. And, and one quick thing I want to step back to, too, that I was really curious when you were talking about Marketo. Did you put so much time and effort into Marketo because you enjoyed the platform or because you knew uh, you had some instinct that, all right, Marketo's blowing up. If I can uh, attach myself and learn a lot about this software, it's going to benefit me later or maybe a combo. That's a, um, I, I'll be, I'll admit, I didn't have the vision to, yeah. I, like, I wasn't thinking two or three steps ahead. I am yeah. now. Yeah. Because I have some some other goals, like eventually I want to start my own Martech company. Mm -hmm. So that's part of the what's driving me to kind of build this network and, and following is is um, you know I want to build the network. So eventually, um, you know people when I start my Martech company, people will will know who I am. Right. But back to the Marketo days, it wasn't so much kind of riding on the coattails of of Marketo. It was more about genuine kind of being wanting to be good at something. Mm. Right, I'm a. I play a lot of sports, yep. so I'm a competitive person, yep. and I think that um, whatever I'm, I'm, you know, I dedicate a lot of time to. I want to be world class at that, right? Mm. So Marketo just happened. <clears throat> it, it was my day job, so I want to be really good at that, and I think it naturally transpired into other things. Yep. But at the time, I wasn't thinking about those other things. Well, and obviously, you've excelled at the things you put your mind into, you know, whether it's you know Marketo or, or networking or building a personal network and you want to start your own company, why do you do all this? What's your why? So, I mean, I'm a, uh, so my parents were, were uh, you know, they weren't born here. I wasn't born here, okay. right? And I think that they've worked, you know, really hard to get my sister and, and myself in a position um, to, to thrive, right? And I think they made the most out of what they had, you know, and, and, and they came, you know, to the States and, you know, made a nice living for themselves. And I think that, you know, it, I'm not doing it for them, but I want to, I want to, I'm doing it for myself. Yep. But I think that, you know, just making the most out of every situation, that's like, that's my, when I wake up, that's kind of what I think about. It's like, how do I, how do I win the day? Right? Like you hear people saying about it, but it's, it's a real thing. Like you can't control your future, but you can control what you do mm. and you take it one, one day at a time. Like, mm -hmm. how do you just be the best version of yourself in that day? Control what you can control. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and a lot of it is just kind of saying yes to things, right? Like a lot of people, you know, say no to things because you know they're t either too busy. But like you can make the time, right? Right. Like you can you can go that extra mile, <clears throat> and when you go that extra mile, like forget about what might happen. When you go that extra mile, good things will happen, right? Okay. Yeah, I've I've seen a lot recently, and one of our former. Um, Sorry, one of our former guests, Annie Matthews, wrote a post recently around her power of yes, and she's been trying to say yes to more things the last six or twelve months, and all the you know kind of great things that have happened because of that. Yeah. So I couldn't agree with you more, and I think it it's so easy to say, no, I don't want to, I don't want to go to that networking event. No, I don't want to 
come on the TR Talk podcast exactly. or whatever exactly. it is because you're, you're busy or, or, or you have other plans or you just want to sleep. Um, but putting in the time like that, it, 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 it builds up and it's a compound effect. So yeah. and, and do things that um, don't go outside your daily jobs, right? Like yeah. you have a job, but that doesn't mean you only have to do that. Like you guys are doing a podcast, mm-hmm. yep. right? And there might be, you know, natural benefits to your job, but there's also other benefits like building a personal brand, right? Yeah. Like it might be fun to you, like explore things that you're interested in and, you know, get good at it and good things will happen. Yep. Right? Nice. I like that. And so, and by the way, um, going the extra mile didn't mean to come on the TR podcast. I was going to come on it. We <laughs> <laughs> appreciate yeah, that. Yeah, Thank that you. was like, when I woke up today, I'm like, all right, that's number one. That's yeah. like, Everything is, is around that. You heard that, people. Never We're looking for more guests. <laughs> <laughs> well, Tom and I woke up this morning, and anytime there's an interview day, we're fired up. So you should have seen the apartment this morning. 5 a.m., we're fired up. Coffee's going. We're chugging cold brew. So we had the excitement as That's well. That's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. Cool. Well, I know we're winding down here. I think we'll shift into some questions from the audience and a few rapid-fire rapid questions. Let's do it. Cool. Well, I want to start. Um, this is actually a stat Tom told me, so I hope I'm not stealing his fire, but is it true that you sleep from two to eight, and if so, why is that? Uh, I think, all right, um, it, it's a poker thing. Um, <laughs> I would hang out with people and do and you know do work uh, during the day, and then when they went to sleep, I would um, you know go and and uh, and play poker. Right, I play yeah. through the night. Yeah. And I, st- I, st- I still think I'm a uh, I'm a night owl. I also like to exercise um, in the evenings. Okay. So after I come exercise, like I can't sleep within four hours of exercising. Um, you know, like, you know, Ryan, you probably know you're a runner, like you can't sleep after you exercise. So right. I usually, you know, um, you know, maybe have a show on, I'll, I'll, I'll be working and, yep. um, you know, I'm actually really fortunate now to live half a mile away from work. So it's not like I get in at a, a, a weird hour. So I'm, I'm, I'm really fortunate to be able to sleep from two to eight. Well, while we're on, I'm going to hop in here real quick. While we're on this topic, what's one habit or trait you picked up in the past six months that's improved your game or improved your life? I think it's just getting really good at, um, yeah, that's a, that's a good question. One habit, I, I'll give you three, how's that? Perfect. So I think being really good at LinkedIn and social, I wasn't always good at social. Like if you look at my Twitter followers, a year ago I had like barely any Twitter followers. I yep. still have just a couple thousand, you know, a few thousand, but um, Twitter, LinkedIn, like it, it's a skill, right? And you've got to put in the effort and when you put in the effort, like, good things will happen, right? Like, I like to, good things will happen. Like, you know, this podcast wouldn't have happened if I didn't have a, um, a good social brand, mm-hmm. right. right? Good things will happen when you, when you do that. Um, another is kind of, you know, adjusting to a new boss. I reported to John up until six months ago. And then we, we were very fortunate to, you know, bring in Heidi. She came over from Marketo. She was running marketing at Marketo. So that adjustment, I hadn't really had that kind of major adjustment before in my career. And I think that there were a lot of good lessons learned from that because you kind of have to re-earn someone's trust. Heidi and I are, are you know, pretty close now. Um, but I think at the beginning there was a, a little bit of kind of, you know, rough edges. And I think dealing with that has actually helped my career a lot because, you know, it, it, it's you're still at the same company, but you have to you know, deal with different styles. So I, I, I really like that uh, experience. Nice. And then the third thing I, I you know, have gotten really good at is uh, I think account-based marketing, yeah. right? Because 
it's a new space. Everyone's talking about it. Yep. And I, I don't want to be good at account-based marketing or, or world-class account-based marketing. I have to be good at world-class right. account-based marketing because everyone else is looking toward Engageo to be good at that. So we can't, you know, a lot of companies like, um, they talk the talk, but they don't walk the walk. Mm -hmm. And we have to walk the walk because that's how you, you know, gain, that's how you gain followers as a company. So I'm, you know, kind of in charge of that internally and I have to be good at it. Nice, that's great. Yeah. Um, he 3X you on that. 3X me, I'm blown away. Um, Extra mile. That's yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so what's, um, What's one bad piece of advice that you hear either in marketing or in brand building or social media? Yeah, um, I'll give you one for both. How's that? There you go. So I'll start Extra with mile. marketing. I think in marketing, um, we have shiny object syndrome. Mm. Uh, so someone came out with, I think it was, um, you know, one of the vendors came out with this really funny timeline. It was like, what was hot in 2015, predictive. What was hot in 2016? ABM. What was hot in 2017? Uh, I forget what the timeline is, but like AI. And yeah. then what's like, what's, what does 2018 hold? Yeah. And I think that that's a mistake because when you look at the next hot thing, you're always going to be chasing the hot thing. If you don't have a good strategy, the hot thing doesn't matter at all. Yeah. Like what's, what's AI without a good strategy? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So think about what you're trying to uh, accomplish and take inventory, you know, I'm talking to marketers, but also salespeople as well. Take inventory, like, you know, for example, for marketing, you might have a bunch of um, accounts stuck in a certain status. How do you move those accounts to the next stage, right? That might be your top goal. And then think about kind of how the current technology stack and, and stuff like that can help you do that. But don't, don't, you know, do ABM just because ABM is, everyone's talking about ABM. Don't do AI because everyone's talking about ABI. Yeah. So, um, so that's the marketing piece of it. And then the social selling piece of, or the social brand piece of it is a lot of people I think are really negative on social media. Being negative is kind of a, um, it works. It gets attention, it gets eyeballs. But at the end of the day, when you're negative, it, it's just not a good feeling and it's kind of like a cheap way of getting attention. Yep. Um, you can still get attention um, in, in different ways without being negative and you'll have a more loyal following. Because when you're negative, you're going to offend people. Right. And when you offend people, people are going to, like, you might get their attention span for a little bit because they're, you know, they want to reply to you. But after that, they're going to block you and they're going to tune you out. So don't be negative. You can still have a good social brand by being positive and, and, and giving people value. Heavy and powerful. I mean, it's, it's, this is awesome. Last one for me is you've, you, you're, skill base is really incredible. You can play a number of instruments, you speak three languages, poker, extraordinaire. <laughs> what, um, which of the three has you know, had the biggest influence in your life in terms of where you're at now? I get bored really easily because I, I just, I, I don't sleep a lot yeah. and I'm up at hours that no one else is up so I gotta find some stuff to do. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, I think, uh, I wanna say music. Because um, I was one of those kids that their parents made play the piano. You probably read art, you know, articles about that. <laughs> yeah. I hated the piano. I hated. Pra I had to practice every day. I hated it because I didn't. It, I was forced to do it. But I also played the drums and I played the clarinet. Those I chose to do, right? And playing the drums, like one of my favorite drummers um, was the. I, I'm really blanking on his name. The the drummer from Blink One Eighty Two. 
Travis uh, Barker. Tra- Travis Barker. Barker. Yeah, yeah. Travis Barker. And I, I just saw him a couple years ago. He was this crazy guy, like lots of tattoos mm-hmm. and just like super talented drummer. And I would listen to all the Blink-182 songs and just trying to, you know, just trying to learn. And I think that building that passion about things that you've identified that are really cool, like there's still a lot of hard work to be a really good drummer. Like it's not all, you know, you, you don't become Travis Barker overnight. Many people never become Travis Barker. Yeah. Um, but like just finding something that you find fun makes that learning curve so much lower because you don't, it doesn't feel like work. Whereas piano is like the total opposite. And I think that if you find that thing that you like to do, you know, whether it's marketing, whether it's sales, whether it's drumming, whether it's running, whatever, right? Um, then it's, it's it, 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 you wake up and, and you just naturally do it. Like it doesn't, you don't force yourself. Last question for you would be twofold. One, last words for the, for the TR Talk audience that you, and any wisdom. And second, where can we find you on social media? Yeah. Um, words of wisdom is I think just you know just kind of recap yeah find what you love to do yep. make the most out of every situation and just have fun when you have fun everything will good things will happen right yep. and uh, yeah I mean that's that's really it that's kind of been my mantra and kind of what I like to follow and if you if you guys want to follow me on social media and, and kind of you know listen to my um, ramblings on, on <laughs> Twitter it's Charlie C Liang L-I-A-N-G uh, on Twitter and then LinkedIn is slash in slash Charlie C. Lee. Perfect. Cool. And before we sign off, I have to give a shout out to our awesome photographer, Emily Alamo. She's in town from <laughs> Indianapolis. <running> amazing. <laughs> People, if you could see this this whiteboard here, you'd know why she's a teacher. It's quite amazing. I'm gonna frame it. Yeah. <laughs> frame the whiteboard. We're running a marathon this weekend, and Tom's sister's in town, so we had to give a quick shout out to Emily. She's been patiently hanging out. Say hello, Emily. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. Well, it's been great. Cool. We've had a great time. Charlie, thank you so much. We're Thanks looking for having me. It's been a blast. Yeah, absolutely. We'll have to do another one soon. Sounds good. I hope you guys had as much fun on that one as we did. Charlie was awesome. We love the poker stories and just his mindset on getting as much as he can out of each day. We absolutely loved it. So give Charlie some love. And if you haven't started following him yet on LinkedIn or on Twitter, please do so. He's a really interesting guy to follow. Also, you want to help support the podcast here's so you can do it give us a review give us a like on itunes both of those together take about five seconds and it's going to help us more than you know as always tom and ryan with tr talk thanks again folks and we'll see you soon peace